0: I am so honored and so excited to have Apostle Tony Kemp with us. If you've never seen him before, you're in for a treat. He is an author. He is a, I, I, he is an apostle. He travels the world speaking at conferences and churches. A man greatly anointed and used of the Lord. Would you welcome Apostle Tony Kemp as he comes this morning to minister to us. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I want to, uh, first of all, give reverence to the Father, to his Son, King Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. Let's give the Lord God Almighty a big hand clap, can we? I want to publicly thank Pastor Zach and his wife for inviting me. Let's give them a big hand clap. And uh, I want you to give your neighbor a hand clap for being here. And uh, thank you for coming. So let me ask this question. Is there anybody here who is hearing me in person for the first time? Would you raise your hand high and keep it up just so I can, I can see you? I want to know where you've been all my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to have, great to be here. Um, it is 1030. <laughs> How many of you know that preacher's minutes are longer than regular minutes? <laughs> Um, For those of you who've never heard me before, I do know how to teach. I do know how to do an introduction, body points one through five, conclusion and summary, but I'm not in the mood. (laughs) But I do know how. Um, I also um, know I'm supposed to stand behind the pulpit and walk around, but I'm not in the mood. Look at somebody and say, he's a moody minister. <laughs> I figure um, it's Sunday morning, and, and Pastor Zach knows this, I don't wake up till noon. <laughs> you know, some of this is part of the life of a traveling minister where you end up staying up late so you get up late. So anyway, I should get right to it. Oh, um, I'm black. I thought I would tell you that, and, and let me tell you why I'm telling you that. It's because where I come from, we talk in church. You Europeans, you know, you guys are more quiet in church. But, um, but I want you to make me feel at home. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to get some color this morning. And let me tell you how this works itself out practically. This means if I say something and the Holy Spirit's talking to you, you go, mm-hmm. And if you're with somebody and you know that word is for them, you just go, now, girl, you know that's for you. (laughs) And if they're in denial, you just go, over here, over here. And so you're supposed to talk back to the preacher. Now, here's the thing you talk to God, you talk to your neighbor, you talk to the preacher. There you go. So I should get right to it. Um, you say, why do you sit down? Because um, I'm all about the relaxation. I am not working. Um, a man who loves what he's doing never works a day in his life. And relaxation comes before revelation. Um, Samuel, who I saw in heaven, by the way, he was laying down near the Ark of the Covenant that had the Ten Commandments representing the Father. He had the manna representing Jesus, the, uh, the uh, Aaron's rod that represented the Holy Spirit. And when he relaxed, when he got quiet, when he rested, the Lord came, revelation came. This is why I practice um, resting. I mean, you know, we're told this in Psalm Division 37, rest in the Lord. So I'm resting because it helps. But I should start um, talking to you now. So anyway, um, I'm going to wander just because I can, and I have gray hair. When you get to a certain age, you just do whatever it is you want. (laughs) It don't matter. You just I don't know what happens when you get old. It's just you wear what you want to wear. (laughs) It doesn't have to match. You have matched in the past, there's no need to match in the present. He <laughs> just take me as I am, and it's not even a, a him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, so like anyway, I'm thinking. I'm thinking first Corinthians chapter twelve, verse ten says, To another is prophecy. So I'll define prophecy real quick here. Um prophecy is uh is God saying something. Um it could be what God is saying to your heart now, or could be God saying, you know, I want to do this for you in the future. Now, you have unconditional prophecy. I mean, Jesus is coming whether you believe it or not. And then you have conditional prophecy, my opinion. Look at somebody says just his opinion. So you just give it the weight of an opinion. My opinion is it's all personal prophecy. If the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and I feel like I have a word from God for you, Whatever that prophecy is, everybody say it's conditional. Okay? Now here's the other thing I want to say to you right up front because I want to get stuff straight. I am not a prophet. And let me tell you why I'm not a prophet. Because they're killing them. <laughs> you know, Pastor Zach was so polite to call me an apostle. I'm not that either because they're stoning apostles. I'm not a pastor either because people get pastor's grief. I am a bishop. They're leaving bishops alone right now. (laughs) So that's what I am. Now, when they start attacking the bishops, I'll become a preacher. And then when they go after the preachers, I'll just be a child of God. (laughs) Look at somebody and say, he's just playing the same. Now, I do prophesy from time to time, and I just want to make sure that we have things clear between us. My prophetic gift is 50%. I'm either right or wrong. (laughs) I want you to know right here at the beginning, I'm either going to be right or I'm going to be wrong. Look at somebody and say, he doesn't think he's infallible, and you shouldn't either. So what it, what I'm saying is, as if if I think the Holy Spirit has given me a word for you, and you just take the part that's right and you dismiss dismiss the part that's wrong, look at somebody say because he's only a handsome human being. You didn't say that part. Look at somebody say he can't help it. So you know, one Thessalonians says, do not despise prophecy. Hold fast to that which is good. Test off things. You know what I mean? So things ought to be tested. You hold on to what is good. You throw the bad away. Is that okay? Okay. So I just wanted to let you know. Look at somebody and say, don't forget that. He could be right or he could be wrong. And here's the thing. If you prophesy a lot, the probability of you being wrong goes up. Right? Just probability. So I'm, I'm going to start my prophetic teaching right now. So I want to begin with um, a story. It affected me personally. You might be able to relate to it. We'll see. So I'm reading this book. Well, I should probably tell you this. I was in um, upstate New York, Plattsburgh. Um, I was at the Assembly of God Church. Pastor Mike San he'd been there for over 40 years. He's about 84 now. And he told me about a professor that he had by the name of Walter Butler. And Wade Taylor did a book called The Manifest Presence of God, which was about a little bit about Walter Butler. So I'd heard about Walter Butler because Pastor Mike had said in his class, and also another pastor, Paul Keir, who also passed it in another place in New York, had said in his class. And I thought, well, I'll just read the book because look at somebody I said, because that preacher needs help. So I'm reading the book, and I, I, I read where Walter goes to a motel. This is he. I think he died in 74, 75, you know, back in the motel days. Uh, not the hotel, but the motel. And he decides that he wants to seek the Lord, so he decides to fast and pray. Well, you know, Jesus said when you, uh, when you pray, not if, but when you pray, pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is in there somewhere. And they said, fast to your father in secret, and your father who sees in secret uh, shall reward you openly. And and Hebrews chapter 11 says that um, you have to believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he goes to fasting and praying, and he's about two days into it, and ain't nothing happening. Look at somebody and say, does that sound familiar? So since, since he can't get God to talk, he starts talking to himself. You seem nice. I'll talk to you, <laughs> but they can eavesdrop and listen in as I'm talking to you. So I'm reading this book, and you know I fasted and prayed before. Oh yes, even fluffy people fasted pray. <laughs> 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 so anyway, and I so I can relate to the whole fasting and praying thing, and nothing happening. So he starts talking to himself, and this is what he says to himself. He says, um it sure takes God a long time to speak. And as soon as he says, it takes God a long time to speak, the voice of the Holy Spirit comes and says, to hurry God is to find fault with him. And as I'm reading this, the words leap out of the page and go straight into my eyes, cause I got issues. Look at somebody say, "Pray for the preacher," because I was trying to hurry God, and I didn't. It never occurred to me that maybe I was finding fault with Him. And so I had to repent. look at somebody and say, Pray for, the "Pray for the preacher." Well, I repented, but I have a philosophy. Let's see, I think I'll talk to you now. I'm tired of you. <laughs> <laughs> I can change all you. I'm just human. You know how people are. <laughs> as I talk to you right now. So I had to repent, but I have a philosophy. If I have to repent, I don't want to repent alone. I want to get as many people as possible to repent with me because I like company. (laughs) Now, here's my question. How many of you, as soon as you heard what the Holy Spirit said to Walter, to hurry God is to find fault with him. How many of you, by the showing of your hands, something hit you? Raise your hands. Now please look around the room. Raise your hands high unless you have a a shoulder condition. This is what I mean when I say, if you gotta repent, get company. Now, don't you feel so much better that other people have to repent, too? How many of you feel better, really? You feel better? Yeah. Who wants to repent by themselves? You only do it when it's necessary. So he repents. When he repents, Jesus walks in the room and spends the next four hours teaching Walter how to know God intimately. Like Paul said in Philippians 3.10, that I might know him. Gnosko, know him by experience. Hmm. So what I figure I'm going to do right now is I'm going to have you repent. And let me tell you why I'm going to have you repent. Have you ever had this experience? A preacher was preaching, and it was something that they said that really came from the Lord, because not everything we say comes from God. (laughs) But it actually comes from the Lord. I could pick up preachers. I've been one of them. A long time. And uh and 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 the preacher said something that came from God, and you thought to yourself, you know, if he gives an altar call or if she gives an altar call, I'm gonna repent. And then 50 minutes later you forgot what you needed to <laughs> repent over. Has anybody else had that experience? Okay, good. So that's why I'm gonna have you repent now while it's fresh on your mind. Isn't it interesting, he got a breakthrough into the presence of God when he acknowledged that he was finding fault with God. And he didn't even know it. So if you raised your hand and you're able to stand, why don't you stand right now? And um, let's repent. Oh, I must have I hit the 50% right part. You know? look at somebody and say, "You already got a word from the Lord." Yeah. Yeah. Remember, my subject is prophecy. Usually when we think about prophecy, we think about somebody pointing their finger at us, looking us in the eye, and saying, "Thus says the Lord." <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. It's just that ain't my style. So bow your heads with me if you don't mind. And say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I have been finding fault with you. But I didn't even realize it until you pointed it out to me. I've been trying to hurry you because of mental and emotional pressure. Because of the situation I have found myself in. But you're faithful and you're just. And you're merciful and you're gracious. And Holy Father, you forgive me now. And you worship me whiter than snow. By the power of the blood of Jesus. Now Lord, you have come through for me in the past. And you're going to come through for me again. I trust you. And I lay every burden at your feet. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap and a praise for about 20 seconds. And you may be seated. So anyway, I am... How many of you ever heard of Anna Warner? Raise your hands if you've heard of Anna. Raise your hands high so I can see them. Be nice to old people, weekend. okay. So um, I ordained Anna, whenever it was I ordained her. She's a great seer. Um, You should buy her books. I think she did The Path of a Seer and she did some other books. I think she did some stuff with Heidi Baker in Mozambique and I think her and her husband Sam were in India and Nepal or wherever. Some other part of the world. Anyway, um, we were doing a meeting together in Oklahoma. And um, she shared a vision that she had, because some people, you know, they're just really able to see in the spirit. She's a much better person that can see much better than me. And that's, you know. So she shares how she gets caught up to heaven in this vision. And she's before God Almighty who speaks to her heart and says, um, you have misjudged me. Hmm. You did not understand that the delay was my preparing the promise for you. You know, sometimes the Father is preparing the promise, but sometimes the Father is preparing us for the promise. I don't know if you've misjudged God before, but mm, I have done it fairly often. I feel like you're my Catholic priest. Would you please, you know, do like this for me? Just try it. Just Okay, I am black. So I have misjudged God before, and had to repent. Because, see, I'm, I have, I have, I have a problem with impatience. Excuse me, why? Like Arnold, I'll be back. I have a problem with patience. I was the baby of the family. I ran that place. The Lord should treat me like my parents did. Mm. So on an unconscious level, when I whine, you should give me my bottle. Look at somebody say, I hope he ain't talking about you now. (laughs) Lord, I'm praying. No, you're not, you whining. I'm one of the (laughs) Winans. Some of y'all understand there's the whinin' singers. (laughs) When you stop trying to hurry God and you stop finding fault with him, you actually clear a pathway for heaven to land on earth. When you admit that you have misjudged God and essentially you've said you're not faithful, and you repent of that, everybody say, you open up a portal. So how many of you would be honest enough that you have done what I've done and you've misjudged God, raise your hands. But please look around the room. This time I'm not gonna make you stand because you might be standing a lot during this particular morning. <laughs> <laughs> but I will lead you in a quick prayer because that's what we preachers do as if you don't know how to pray but it makes me feel better that I've actually done something <laughs> like I said, I said, consider the feelings of the preacher so bow your head and say, Holy Father I misjudged you but I repent and you forgive me you're preparing my promise. And you're trying to prepare me for the promise. Get me ready. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's a deal. Um, some of us, you know, we, you know, we come to church and we hear a nice message and we say, didn't the preacher do good? Mm-hmm. And then next week, you know, somebody ask you, what did the preacher preach about? I don't know, but it sure was good. <laughs> so what that suggests to me is that after church, you should make yourself a note in your phone that I'm not going to hurry God. I'm not going to find fault with him today. I'm not going to misjudge God today. And you work on that for a whole week. And then you do a review. How did I do this week? And then you go for the second week. How did I do the second week? And the third week a month. And look at somebody and say, and you Re-establish a new habit. Because in Luke 4, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, somewhere it's in the Bible there. It says that Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he stood up in the synagogue for to read. But the word custom is where we get the word habit. A habit is something that you do regularly or frequently. Huh. What could that possibly mean, preacher? I will tell you, since you asked me, your decisions do not determine your destiny. Your habits do. You determine your habits, and your habits determine. Your destiny. Your habits either make you or break you. They hold you back or move you forward. You're asking the Lord for a change. You're asking the Lord for a shift. But the only way the Lord can bring you into change or into a shift is if you hear and obey and exchange a negative habit for the habit he's trying to bring you into through the agency and person of the Holy Spirit. Look at somebody and say, why are you holding yourself back? Oh, I'm coming. <laughs> I just have to pause to give you a moment to see La. Think about it. So anyway, I was doing the Supernatural Conference, and um, I'm a visionary sometimes, and I have these visions, and I um sometimes can see things in the holy spirit and so this heavenly messenger appears at the foot of my bed and i'm not in a dream i'm awake and i see him and it's my conference so he tells me what i have to preach about the next day so he's talking to me and he surprises me because i think one of the subjects was and this was the title he gave me he said i want you to um I want you to teach on overcoming procrastination. Now I'm talking to preachers. I'm talking to leaders. I'm talking to ministers. But I think somewhere, probably in 2 Corinthians 6 to 12, it says today is the day of salvation. And Psalm 98 and also Hebrews 3 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to say something. At first, you're going to go, nah, it couldn't be. Here's what I'm going to say. What if procrastination was an evil spiritual being? Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Well, how many people have procrastinated and said, I will get saved later, but later never came, and they went to hell because of procrastination. What if there's the possibility that procrastination is a spiritual being that tries to get you to form a habit that acts against you. That becomes a sin against God or becomes a sin against yourself. And if the enemy cannot delay you getting saved, then he wants to delay you getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're called into the ministry, he wants to delay you getting prepared Or saying yes to the ministry so that he can shorten the time that you're in the ministry. And so this spiritual being will not just try to hinder you, contain you, restrict you, hold you back in the things of God and the things of heaven, but also in the things of the earth, stuff that you need to take care of that you don't wanna take care of, or that you don't know how to take care of and don't feel like learning, or things that you dread, that you know you need to address, and by delay, the enemy can make it worse, or put you at a disadvantage, or keep you from benefit, or can keep you showing benevolence to others. Look at somebody and say, I didn't know it was going to be like this this morning. You knew. (laughs) So I did what the angel told me. Um, I was told by Almighty God that I would work with the angels and um, you know, I, I got caught up to heaven. So um, I can recognize what the Lord is going to do in the service by the angels this show. Look at somebody and say, he is not normal. <laughs> and it's not, it's not that I'm spiritual. It's just that I need more help than other people. I'm never impressed by somebody who says I've heard the audible voice of God. I have too. The only reason was is somehow either I wasn't reading the Bible or when I was reading the Bible, I wasn't paying attention. Or maybe when the preacher was preaching, my mind was elsewhere. Or I didn't come to Wednesday evening because I was tired. Look at somebody said, that preacher needs to mind his own business. Hmm. Look at somebody and say, I thought this was going to be a healing service. (laughs) Look at somebody and say, if you repent, it will be a healing service. (laughs) Now, I want to let you know, I offer you no guilt and condemnation. I have been an expert in the area of yielding to the spirit of procrastination. No one can do it better. Well, it's just a matter of personal opinion. Anyway, um, you know, I've been a little busy. I've been traveling all around and everything. And, you know, uh, I asked the Lord this morning. um, (laughs) I asked the Lord this morning when I woke up. Well, you know, what you saying? What you doing? What you up to? Where you going and can I go with you? Mm -hmm. So apparently this is what he's up to. So anyway, I'm just rocking the bow, whoever in it got to swim. Look at somebody say, if the shoe fits, it's your shoe. <laughs> so anyway, I have this sneaking suspicion that I got some cousins in the room who are akin to procrastination. Mm. Let me test this. How many of you know procrastination too well? Raise your hands and keep them up high. Raise them high unless you've got a shoulder condition, because I have to say this to people. And please look around the room. Please look around the room. <laughs> you can put them down now. So, look at somebody and say, you just need to repent some more. <laughs> but here's the other thing. Is I'm going to have you pray a prayer of repentance, but I'm also going to have you look to the Lord and say, now, Lord, what have I been putting off? That I need to put on the schedule and make myself do it and pray into the courage and pray into the strength, and pray into the inspiration and the motivation to get her done. Everybody say, "Larry, the cable guy." It's time for you to get her done. Now, look at somebody and say he's kind of practical. Look at somebody and say if it's not practical, it's not spiritual. All right, this, I'll pray a short prayer on this one. Bow your heads, please. Say, Father, I repent of the sin of procrastination. And you're faithful and just. And you forgive me. And you wash my sin away. And now, Lord, I speak to the spirit of procrastination. And I say to procrastination, leave my mind, leave my life, you're dismissed, I discharge you from me. You no longer have power over me. I take authority over you, and I put you under my feet in Jesus' name. I'm going to be quick in my obedience to the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Oh, you should praise the Lord for about 60 seconds now. Come on. With your lips, 60 seconds. With your lips, come on. Anyway, what I wanted to say, it's been 35 minutes. Look at somebody say, he's just warming up. So anyway, when you want to break a habit, you put it far away, and you make it hard to do. And you have somebody that you're accountable to who checks up on you. When you want to start a new habit, you bring it close to you, and you make it easy to do. And you keep it before your eyes, and you have an accountability partner that questions you. To change means to replace one thing with another. To shift actually also means a change in your position, your condition, your place, or your method of operation. So Paul says in Romans 12, he says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And by the way, that's in the Greek. It is singular. Which says that if you're not choosing to be transformed, you will be conformed. You can conform to the spirit of this age and have that mindset or you can be transformed by the Spirit of the Lord through the Word. So look at somebody and say, you're either conformed or transformed. When you get conformed, you get stuck. When you are being transformed, you're making progress and you have what's called a growth mindset. If you choose to be conformed, you'll be stagnant. You'll find things are at a standstill. You can pray all you want, but unless you change your mind. I refuse to be stagnant, I refuse to be stuck, because when you get stuck, you reach a peak, and you reach, if I could say it this way, John Maxwell, you put in place over your own life the law of the lid. The problem is, is your peak becomes your valley. And you have to, look at somebody and say, you have to change and you have to shift in your will, your mind, and your behavior to be upgraded by God himself. And look at somebody and say, and change does not feel good. Uh, so I tell you a story. So way back in the 90s, Jesus appears to me. First time I saw Jesus face to face was in heaven, 1989. And when I saw Jesus, he had the skin tone of a Middle Eastern man, about six feet tall, curly. Curly brown hair, mustache, beard, um, you know, well-built. So Jesus appears to me and lets me know I'm getting ready to go through something. I let him know I'm not interested. (laughs) In a much stronger mm, emotional I'll never forget what he does. He's he's standing right in front of me. And he combs to this ear. And he lets me know it's still going to happen. And he stands back. And then he's gone. This is when I discovered that God was a godfather. And he had put a contract out on my carnality. And the Holy Ghost was a hitman. And you can run, but you can't hide from a Holy Ghost hit man. I would love to tell you that when the Father was introducing change, that I just said, oh, to Jesus, I surrender all to you. I freely give, but I'm a gentile. I squealed like a pig. (laughs) I did not go gently into that change. The Lord hurt me. Look at somebody say "Change change can hurt. Because you have to yield to the change. And I got issues with stubbornness. Look at somebody say, your arms are too short to box with God. (sighs) You know, confession is so cleansing. See, here's the thing that's crazy is when the Lord said it twice, I knew it was gonna happen. Mm. And it did. Look at somebody and say, you got to see the need for change. You got to choose change. You got to yield to change. Then there's the pain of change. Listen, 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 this is my response to my heart. God, you're killing me. Exactly. <laughs> and then when you get to the end, everybody say the joy of change. Here's what happened. After that, my life shifted, and it's never been the same. So I should move toward my closing and then do personal ministry. Look at somebody said, "That preacher saying that don't mean nothing." You know, how many closings does a preacher get? As many as he can take. (laughs) It just means I know I need to quit. Here's the thing about change. You have negative change, positive change. Let me give an example of negative change. So you can go to the book of Judges, and there's this brother. His name is Samson. He has a supernatural birth. He has supernatural strength. He's called to be a judge. He's not supposed to cut his hair. He's not supposed to drink wine or strong drink. He has a covenant with God. But he got a thing for this woman. Look at somebody and say, he got a thing. Everybody say, Samson and Delilah. The thing about Delilah is in the Hebrew, her name means feeble. Look at somebody that said that was his weakness. So I think it's around Judges 16 or somewhere in that area there where it says, Samson went down to Gaza. Now, from where Samson was, Gaza was like about between, 28, between 25 and 28 miles. And this brother's going on a walk. In the enemy territory. To go see his weakness. Well, I'm a black preacher, so we have to illustrate it <laughs> now. Because <laughs> that's you know we're animated like that, you know. But you know, I'm over. I'm like sixty-six, so my animation's a lot slower now. <laughs> So to get where he was going took over 50,000 steps. Each small step he took had a domino effect. Each small step was a movement toward a big negative result. it didn't appear that each small step mattered because the results were not immediate. But if it's true in the negative, that means each small step in the word of God, your word is a lamp to my feet, I only see the next few steps, and a light to my path. And if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, and I do what's right, at first, it don't seem like I'm getting any results. But everybody say there's a supernatural, domino effect, that yields positive, big results. Look at somebody say it just don't happen overnight. <laughs> and so what happens to people is because it doesn't happen overnight or in a week or a month or takes several months or a year or takes more than one year, people quit and give up. Look at somebody say he really preaching now. Look at somebody and say, I think you're getting some help. I want you to look at your other neighbor and say, I've been trying to tell you that for about 10 years. <laughs> I'm trying to come to a close. I'm trying. Look at somebody said say, that was a second close. Look at somebody said say, that don't mean nothing either. So here's what I try to tell people. When I say decisions don't determine your destiny, your habits do. And I say habits are what you do regularly or frequently. Success does not come by what you do occasionally. It's in your daily routine. Joshua 1 and 8 says, my word which you have in writing must govern everything you say. Meditate, be in the orbit, circle around, rotate around my word, meditate on my word day and night. See to it that you do my word. Everybody say, think the word, speak the word, do the word. Then it says you will have, you will prosper, which means to have a good journey in the will of God and you'll have good success, which means you could have bad success. Look at somebody and say, success does not come by what you do occasionally. It's about what you do daily. Look at somebody and say, you gotta be constant, you gotta be consistent, and you gotta be continuous in what you're doing. Now, I'm trying to close, that was number three. You are not successful because of the making of goals. Your life does not rise to the level of your goals. Your life rises to the level of the systems that make it possible for you to attain those goals. Your design must fit your desire. So you must have a system, an order, and a structure to find movement in the Holy Spirit. This is true naturally and supernaturally. I will repeat. Because the father of all learning is repetition. And repetition is the best teacher. Because whatever gets repeated gets remembered. It's reinforced, it becomes revelation, and then it becomes reality as you work it out in your life. Your life or your ministry does not rise to the level of your goals. Yes, you do have goals but they do not rise to the level of your goals. They rise to the level of your systems. So if you don't have a system, it doesn't matter what your desire is. Or if you got the wrong system, look at somebody and say you're not gonna be effective. You've gotta fit the system, the structure, and the order with your objective in order, to achieve and reach the desired effect. So what a lot of people don't understand is that Jesus worked by systems given to him by the Father and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pause. The word of God from Genesis to Revelation shows you various kinds of systems. Systems for your private life and your intimacy with God. Systems on how to relate to yourself. Systems on how to relate to your spouse. Systems on how to relate to your children. Systems on how to relate to your neighbors. Systems on how to do things in ministry. Everybody say everything is about the systems. Everybody say it's about order and structure. Which means... Systems work. So it's not enough for you to pray. Fast if you want. I believe in prayer. I believe in fasting. But I am praying and fasting to find the system that will make this thing work in my life or in the life of others. Are you hearing me? And sometimes that stubbornness that God put in me, once it is surrendered and sanctified, it becomes a tool or an instrument that causes me to practice persistence to enter into the presence and the power of the Spirit. I will persist till I can find the system or the systems that work that produce the will of God in my experience or the experience of others. I'm gonna show you something. How many of you heard something today you have never heard it this way before? Raise your hands high. Raise them up. Look around the room. Okay, so let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. Other people have great value. There are many great preachers, ministers, who I learn from. Because what the Father doesn't give you by direct revelation, he gives you in relationship. How many of you hear what I'm saying? Because the Father ain't going to give it all to you. Look at somebody and say, because your head will get too big. Yeah. And you're designed to be dependent upon God and interdependent upon other people. So that means I've got to humble myself and listen to other people. Right? Because you are what you eat, as Adam and Eve. Right? So I want to listen to other ministers and listen to other preachers because, here's why: because they can say something, and the Holy Spirit will go, ping, meditate upon that. And as I hear that, the Holy Spirit will start me in a train of thought. And all of a sudden I'll get an insight and then I'll get a foresight and then I'll get a wisdom and then I'll begin to test some stuff. And then I find out what don't work or what works for me. Because just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Even though it's a principle. Right? Because God's got all kinds of ways of getting it done. Ah. more minutes, it'll be 60. I have obsessive compulsive traits. I want to end on a perfect number. (laughs) I don't have the disorder. I don't count, dog. But a number of successful people have obsessive compulsive traits. Everybody say, order. Structure. So, I'm getting ready to shift, and then we'll start personal ministry. (laughs) I am waiting for someone. While I'm on that subject of waiting, you have waiting for God. And you have waiting upon God, and they are not the same thing. Oh, I should show you. Because what we're gonna do is I'm going to stop talking. And um Pastor's gonna take up the offering, and then after that, we're gonna get busy. Look at somebody say he's gonna pray for some people. So, but let me show you waiting for God. I'm actually, look at somebody say, he actually opened the Bible. (laughs) So this is um, Isaiah 64, beginning with verse 1. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and that you would come down. Boy, this is a prayer. That the mountains might melt or flow down at your presence. As when the melting fire burns, the fire causes the waters to boil. Yeah, tear open the heavens and come down. Manifest your presence to make your name known (laughs) and defeat your adversaries. That the nations of the people might tremble. At your manifest presence. When you did terrible things, which we didn't even anticipate or look for, you came down. Look at somebody saying, we need the Lord to come down. The mountains flowed down at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen, O God beside you, what he has prepared for him that waits for the Lord. Look at somebody say, it's time for you to wait for God. For wait for God. Interesting. Everybody say, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for God. Now that's different than waiting upon the Lord because you're waiting upon the Lord after he arrives. So, Isaiah 40. verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob? And why do you speak, O Israel? And this is what you report. My way is hid from the Lord. The Lord don't see me. My judgment is passed over. For my God he is not acting in my behalf. Have you not known? Have you not heard? That the everlasting God, listen to what it says, the creator of the ends of the earth, look at his characteristic. He doesn't faint, and he doesn't become weary. And there is no searching of his understanding. What does he do? He gives power to the faint, to them that have no might. huh? He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Actually, in Hebrew, means it means they shall exchange their weakness for his strength. They shall mount it with wings as eagles. They shall run, wait a minute, and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait a minute. As I attend to God, everybody say, hear and obey God. In some way, I become like God. He doesn't become weary or faint. He exchanges my weariness, my tiredness, my fatigue with new strength in some way I become like Jesus.